Would you turn with me please to the book of Psalms this morning? In Psalm 34, for several weeks now we've been teaching and ministering on a series that we're calling Free from All Fears. Free from All Fears. So let's read our text here and go further this morning. Psalm 34, verse 1. Psalm 34, 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Well, let's, let's just start over again here. You guys need to read this out loud with me. Are you ready? Let's read this out loud together, beginning in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Glory to God. I sought the Lord. What happened? He heard me. Then what happened? He delivered me from what? All my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. Well, if you were delivered from all your fears, how many fears would you have left? None. How many phobias would you have? None. Then you'd be fear free. Completely fearless. Right? Is that God's will for us? Yes, it is. Now we begin at the beginning in the book of Genesis. I guess about six sessions ago or so. And we saw how fear came and where it came from. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews... That Jesus became a partaker of flesh and blood, so that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear of death makes people subject to all manner of bondages. One translation says the dread of dying. The dread of dying. And death... Is not just death of the physical body, spiritual death first and foremost. And if you look up in Strong's and Vines and other places, you'll find that death, literally, the definition of death, is separation and or loss. Physical death doesn't mean non-existent. When your body dies, doesn't mean the body doesn't exist anymore. There's no such thing as soul sleep. Are you with me? Someone says, well, you know, they're, you know, talking about somebody out in the cemetery. Uh, There are no people out in the cemetery. (laughs) Their old wore out bodies are there, the old houses they used to live in. But there are no people out there. Did you hear me? No, when you die, death, physical death is separation of the spirit from the body. It's like pulling a hand out of a glove. Well, once you pull the hand out of the glove, there's no life in that glove anymore, right? 
One person asked me one time, they, you know, because they didn't believe in healing. They said, well, now, Brother Keith, they said, if you never got sick, how would you ever die? <laughs> they thought they had a big point, you know. <laughs> well, if you pull a hand out of a glove, do you have to shoot that glove? To keep it from moving or to make it stop. No. Do you have to stab it or burn it? or No. No. There's no life in the glove apart from the hand. Right? When your spirit slips out of your body, you won't have to put any cancer on it or do anything to kill it. I mean, when the spirit is gone, the body is dead. Right? And we, you know, we camped on this and we talk about it every time. Is there any reason for us as children of God to be afraid of dying? Is there? Like last week we said, you know, the biggest reason why Christians are afraid to die is because they've never done it. Right? Absolutely. Why? Because if we could talk to our loved ones that have already done it and already gone over to the other side, they would tell us, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. You step out of your body and you look at it and you go, wow, that's over. And then you think, whoo, I feel good. And your angel is there. Hallelujah. And you're out of here. I said, you're out of here to see your loved ones that are already in heaven, to see your mansion that God's been working on for you, to see the master, to see the father of glory. Whew. It's nothing to be afraid of. But that's not real to so many people. They're so natural and so carnal minded. They act like this is all there is and all there will ever be. And so they're so afraid of anything that might kill them. So they're afraid of having a car wreck. They're afraid of having a plane crash. They're afraid they might eat something bad. They're afraid somebody might shoot them. They're afraid of this. Afraid of that. But friend, when you draw close to the Lord and you get revelation, you'll become delivered and free from all fears. And you'll have no more fears. Glory. Are you excited about this at all? You should be. I mean, it's wonderful being free from fear. It's wonderful to do, just go anywhere and do anything and never be afraid. Never. It's wonderful. And it's the inheritance and heritage of every child of God. Would you go with me, please, to Proverbs, the 29th chapter this morning? We're going to get into some other things today. And how many believe in God with me? Please do. Utterance is not just based on the preacher. It's greatly affected by the hearers. Right? And uh, I'm not the teacher. Did you hear me? In fact, I know this, this may be a little different than what you've heard or thought. But I don't, we don't use titles around here. For instance, I, I don't, I, I know I hadn't said much to you about it, but I, I ought to tell you, you're my family. I ought to let you know what I believe and how I think. <laughs> I prefer that people do not refer to me as Pastor Moore. Somebody said, why not? What's wrong with that? Well, it'd be the same thing as calling somebody Apostle so-and-so or Evangelist so-and-so or Prophet so-and-so. Our teacher so-and-so. Right? Wouldn't it be the same? Jesus said not to call each other teacher. Didn't he? Didn't he? He said don't call each other father. Don't call each other master. Don't call each other teacher. What's he talking about? Titles. And you know, people talk, the Bible talks about that so-and-so was an apostle, but you never see them refer to each other in the book of Acts or in the epistles as I am the apostle Paul or introduced as the, no, he is an apostle. That's what he is. That's what he does, but, but not the titles. Did you hear me? So that's why we don't use them. Now, if somebody else uses them, don't you jump on their case. All right. Did you hear me? You just make up your own mind what you believe about it. But I'm telling you how we operate around here. 
And uh, someone said, well, how, what's the respectful reference? Jesus said, call each other brother. Didn't he? And that is a, that's a very respectful term. Brother. So uh, don't take my word for it. Look it up. See what Jesus said about it. Sometimes people just ignore it. And, and uh, you, you watch and see what I'm talking about. There's a whole lot of stuff that revolves around titles. I, I don't like for people to put reverend in front of my name. You never see reverend in the Bible. Where's reverend at? <laughs> Did you hear me? It's a title. Right? Reverend. Reverend, doctor, pastor, preacher, apostle. <laughs> and, and people really get, you know, they get stirred up about that, about you using the proper titles for me. Well, Jesus said the proper title is brother. Right? He's the teacher. Right? The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Right? He's the teacher. And there's only one, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, right? The good shepherd. You know who he is, right? There's only one who is the. Everybody else is an one, right? (laughs) Some of you don't know what to do with that. Well, (laughs) don't take my word for it. Get in the scripture, right? How many believe we ought to have scripture for everything we do? Elsewise, if we don't, what's it based on? It's based on tradition, people's ideas, men's religion, right? <laughs> Wish you could see some of the looks that I that I see across the crowd. <laughs> if you want to be called Reverend, that's fine. That's your business. Okay, I'm just telling you, this this is our church, right? I'm I'm the daddy in this church. <laughs> And so you're, you're, you're in my house this morning, right? (laughs) Some folk like their titles, do they? (laughs) You gonna bust me down to brother. That's all you ever been? You just didn't know it. You know I'm not afraid. It's good not to be afraid, right? Uh, have you found Proverbs? <laughs> Proverbs. Now, now you were clear on, on what I said too. Do not take that and go try to correct somebody with it. Are you clear on that? Do this. Don't. Don't do that. Don't try to go correct somebody with that. Proverbs chapter 29. In Proverbs 29, what a great truth is here. I'd like for you to see and for us to camp on this morning. Man, I got so many things in my heart and mind. I think we could stay here all day if it was right, but... Don't get scared. (laughs) Proverbs 29 and 25. Proverbs 29, 25. Says the fear, the what? The fear of man brings a snare. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Or the margin says shall be set on high. The fear of man brings a snare. Let's just stop right there. Let me read some other scriptures to you. Just stay right where you are though in Proverbs. We, you know, spent weeks and weeks teaching on the spirit led life. Some months back. And our text was Romans 8. 14, 15, and 16. Let me read it to you again. And remind you. He said for as many as are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. For. 
you have not received the spirit of bondage. Now, did you get the connection? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God for. You see the connection? Very next word, for, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear. The fear of man does what? What's a snare? Trap. If you're in a trap, are you in bondage? You're locked in. Right? You're attached. You can't get away. The fear of what? Fear of man. Now this is not fear of disease or fear of devils or fear of dying physically per se, but it's fear of what? Fear of man and it always brings bondage. It brings snares. It brings a trap. We talked about 2 Timothy 1.7, I believe it is. He said, uh, the Lord didn't give us the spirit of fear, right? But the spirit of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. But he didn't give us the spirit, spirit, spirit. Did you hear that? Spirit of fear. So fear is not just an imaginary something or not just a mental something. It's a spirit. Right? Well, what if you're led by fear? Then you're being led by a spirit that is not the spirit of God. Do you see that? But you're being led. Friend, this is one of the most subtle and one of the most dangerous things in life. Is that people are making decisions based on all kind of things, not even trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not even checking. Do you understand that in everything in your life, from the time you open your eyes in the morning to the time you lay your head back down, you should be checking your heart, right? Which way is the Lord leading me to go? That's the number one thing in everything that's going on. So many times when people have come to me and wanted to talk about this or that, I'll ask them before they go very far. I'll say, what did the Lord direct you? And they look at you sometimes like you slapped them, like... Huh? Well, I don't know, you know. Somebody talking about a move. They're talking about moving from one place to the other. And they say, well, you know, the kids have got to have this. And I don't know about the school system. And and I don't know about my job. and, And I just know, should I go or should I not go? And they look shocked when I say, none of that matters. None of that is the issue. Well, yeah, I gotta have a place for the kids and I gotta have, and the house. No, that's not how you make a decision. Did you hear me? Well, there'll be a pay cut or there's a pay raise. If you make the decision based on more or less money, what's leading you? Money. You're being led by money. If you're being led by money, are you being led by the Spirit of God? No, no. Well, what about if you're being led by fear? Oh, I'm afraid if I go over there, this will happen. So you don't go. Well, then you're led by fear. Are you being led by the Spirit of God when you're led by fear? And fear is a spirit. So you're being led by a spirit, but not the Spirit of God. And do people make decisions and do things based on fear of people? Oh, oh, every day. And night, it's a sad reality that most people are moved in making decisions on many, many things based on fear. What they do and what they don't do, where they go and where they don't go, what they're involved in and what they're not involved in, it boils down to, well, when you ask people, why'd you do it? Well, I was afraid that. How many have ever heard that? I was afraid that this would happen. Or I was afraid that this wouldn't happen. How many have heard that? I mean, it's an integral part of their 
regular conversation. Afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid this might, afraid this might not, afraid they might think. What would they say? What if they do? What if they don't? None of that is being led by the Lord. And here's the thing. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're going to be led out of trouble. If you'll follow the Holy Ghost, He'll lead you right out of debt and right out of lack into plenty. Will He? How many believe if you learn how to follow the Holy Spirit, He'll lead you right out of sickness, right out of weakness. He'll lead you right out of marriage trouble into victory. He'll lead you out of defeat. But what if you follow the spirit of fear? Where's the spirit of fear leading you? Into bondage. Right? The spirit of fear will lead you into bondage. How many times people are, they were afraid to go do the job, so they had to find them some liquid courage. Right? Or they had to take some drugs. I want you to begin to see such a huge fabric of this in all of society so people begin to drink because they don't feel secure and confident enough. They gotta have something to push them up. Why? Because they're afraid of people. That's right. Next thing you know, they're an alcoholic. In bondage. Drug addict. In bondage. But what put them there? Not just the drug. The fear. What will people say? So they don't talk. A relationship could be worked out with just one word. Just go to them and say, hey, I did this. I'm sorry. This is the way it really is. But people are afraid of how they might react or how they might say. People lie out of fear. I've had people look at me and say, well, I just don't think they can handle the truth. I'm afraid if I tell them they're just going to go ballistic and I'm afraid. Well, did the Lord tell you that you had an option of telling the truth? No, but see, because of fear, people lie and then they got to tell five more lies to cover the first one they told and it just never ends. Did you hear me? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm just giving you spot examples of fear, 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 fear. And I'm not talking about unsaved people. I'm talking about Christian people. Fear. Because when you are led by fear, you are led by the spirit of the enemy. And that spirit of fear will lead you into destruction and lead you into bondage. We studied earlier in the book of Job where he said, The thing that I dreaded has happened to me. The thing that I greatly feared has come on me. He was yielding to fear and he was following fear and with it, Fear brought him right into destruction. Listen to this. Let me read you another translation of Proverbs 29. Look there at your Bible again. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. Listen to these other translations. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, the New Living says. But to trust the Lord means safety. Fearing people is what? A dangerous trap. What will they think? There's something more important than what they think. It's what God knows. How many know that? What will people think? Has that ever crossed your mind? That wasn't a good enough response. There's a lot of people looking like From the time you were old enough to even understand anything and you're going to school, kids become obsessed with what the other kids are going to think about my jeans, my little shirt, right, my haircut. And we like to think that we've all grown up and got out beyond that. But... It's not so. People are still gripped with all kind of fear. Do you understand? There's all kind of people that's not in this building this morning that ought to be. But you know why they're not here? What will they think? Right? Have you ever heard of somebody not going to a service because of the way they were dressed? 
Now let's just stop right here. Let's say you're out on vacation. You got your shorts and your t-shirt on. You're having fun in Branson. And you drive by Faith Life Church. And the Holy Ghost deals with you. Go in there. But you go, oh, I can't. I can't. Got my shorts on and my t-shirt and my flip-flops. <laughs> I, can't, I can't go. So you don't go. What did you do? You ignored and rejected the Lord's leading. Just like you had an option. Did you hear me? You're telling him, well, Lord, no, no, I know better. I know you want me to go in there, and there's probably some reason why you want me to go in there that I don't know, but I'm going to make the call on this, (laughs) and uh, I'm going to follow the spirit of fear instead of you, because I'm afraid of what somebody might say or think. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Now, how many times people are led by fear? And friend, that's why there is destruction. That's why there is loss. That's why there is separation. That's why there is bondage, 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 bondage. But I'm so glad you can seek the Lord and he'll hear you and deliver you. From all your fears, including all the fear of man. Somebody says, well, I don't care what nobody thinks. That's not true. You like to say that, but that is not true. Sure, we care what people think about us. We do. And that's all right. But not to the point where we miss God. Did you hear me? Because of what somebody might think or might say. We care what people think, but whether they think good or bad, we've made up our minds, we're going to follow the Lord. Right? We'd rather everybody liked us and thought highly of us. But if we have to pick between pleasing the Lord and pleasing people, we've already made up our mind. Right? That's how it should be. That's how it's supposed to be. The scripture said... The English version says, it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. He goes on to say in verse 26, many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment comes from the Lord. The English version on that says, do you want justice? Don't fawn on the judge. But ask the Lord for it. Did you hear that phrase? Don't fawn on the judge. What does that mean? Don't court them and try to flatter them. See, again, you got your eyes on people afraid of man. There is so much hypocrisy because of the fear of man. You know, as a minister and as a leader. You see it, and it's sad that people come, and you can tell they're trying to snowball you. Do you know what I mean by that? They're trying to snow you. And they start out with flattery. Oh, Brother Keith, you're so wonderful. Oh, Brother Keith, you're so great. And it's insincere. And there's something coming behind it. You're waiting for the other shoe. (laughs) And people try to do, how many remember in the New Testament, he talks about people who have men's persons in admiration because of advantage. We like to think that we're above this, but the sad reality is that there is so much politics in church. Did you hear me? Oh. Oh, people trying to vying for place. I was with so-and-so. Well, I had dinner with them the other night. And then people get mad and leave the church because they didn't have dinner with them. And vying and, and people, because they're so carnal, their eyes are so much on men. How many understand Brother Keith or no other preacher saved you? Are you with me now? 
Brother Keith or no other preacher can heal you or meet all your needs or answer all your questions. Right? So you don't get your eyes on somebody and think, well, my relationship with them, that's my connection to the glory. No, there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Just one. Just one. You don't have to go through anybody else. Nobody else. Nobody else. And that's why we're adamant around here that we are not going to let everybody be dependent on us or the staff or the team leaders. Now, babies are babies. We're going to help the babies, but we're going to grow up. Right? And as soon as we can, we're going to wean people off of us onto the Holy Ghost. And everybody should learn how to be led for the self. And everybody should have faith of their own. Right? Are you with me now? It's not okay to have a church full of infants and preemies. And whiny babies. It's not okay. If you're a baby, if you were born again last week, that's different. You are a baby. We want to help you. Right? Babies need other people to do things for them. Right? But not when you've been born again for 20 years. Right? You ought to be washing your own clothes. Cutting your own grass, right? And taking some responsibility. You do it praying for yourself, doing your own praying, hearing from God for yourself, right? Believing in your own money, being used of God to help other people, right? That's what it's supposed to be. Go with me, please, to the book of Galatians. Oh, thank you, Lord. He's helping us today, He's helping us wonderfully. The fear of man brings what? A snare. Bondage. Do you think, don't hold up your hand, don't testify, but do you think you've ever done something out of fear of man? Hmm? Didn't even check your heart to see what you should do. You just did something because what will they think? Well, it's such a dangerous thing. It's such a subtle thing that even good people and even spiritual people have gotten sucked into it. Now, in Galatians, are you there? I want you to see an example that's recorded in the Scripture for us. Galatians 2, verse 11. The Apostle Paul, verse 11 I'm reading out of the Amplified. He said, when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I protested and opposed him to his face concerning his conduct there, for he was blamable and stood condemned. Wow. (laughs) Boy, this is confrontation in front of everybody. And Peter, you understand, Peter was the man around there. You understand? I mean, he... You know, after he recovered from denying the Lord, after that, I mean, God used him on the day of Pentecost. I mean, he is the man. He's one of the head men in the whole deal. And Paul, he's kind of a Johnny come lately. Right? Compared to these guys, he is. But I mean, in front of everybody, he looks Peter in the face. And he said, now, this stuff you did over there is not right. Wow. How many think it probably was a little tense in the room? (laughs) And he goes on to tell him why. He said, for up to the time that certain persons came from James, he ate his meals with the Gentile converts. But when the men from Jerusalem arrived, he withdrew and he held himself aloof from the Gentiles and ate separately for fear of those of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews along with him also concealed their true convictions and acted insincerely. With the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. How many understand the Bible said Barnabas was a good man? How many know Peter's a good man? Love God. But what happened here? God's using them. 
all these guys got saved among the Greeks and the Gentiles, non-Jewish peoples. And the Lord had already given revelation that righteousness is not by keeping the commandments and all the do's and don'ts of the law. And that these people that had been born again, that didn't come up, didn't know the law, that they are not supposed to be told, you can't eat this and you can't eat that. They're just supposed to be, uh, you know, told the basics of believing in Jesus. And so when he was there with them, he's eating with them. I don't know, I guess that maybe they got pig knuckles on the table. Pork chops. I don't know what all. Stuff that, you know, the Jews don't eat, but he sits down there with them. Maybe he didn't eat it, but he didn't make a deal out of it, and they're fellowshipping. But when the brethren from headquarters came down, I'm just going to pause there for just a moment. When the brethren from headquarters, from the main office, came down, he quit eating with them, and he pulled back, and the rest of the people around him, they did the same thing. Even Barnabas, who the Bible says was a good man, he got caught up in this hypocrisy. Because of what? Why did it say he did that? Huh? Because of fear of those of the circumcision. Listen to another translation. The 20th century says, for fear of offending them. Another one says, out of sheer fear of what the Jews might think. What if they see me over there with those Gentiles eating those pork chops? (laughs) They might think I was eating one. What if they see me over there? What if they see me and he and all the guys, how many understand when a leader starts sliding, what happens with the rest of the folks? They're going to follow. A leader is insincere. The people are going to be insincere. Leaders yields to hypocrisy. The people are going to yield to hypocrisy. And so here all of Peter's bunch and Barnabas and everybody gets sucked in with it. And so they back off and they go, oh, no, no, we no, we don't eat with the Gentiles. And boy, when Paul comes to town, <laughs> he said, Brother Peter, what's this I hear? You eat with the Gentiles and then you don't eat with the Gentiles. Depending on who's in town. Hmm? Is that wrong? Is that bad? Who did it? Men of God. Right? I mean people who loved God, who were mightily used of God. Peter. Barnabas. Got sucked into this hypocrisy. And thank God the Holy Ghost jerked the slack out of him. Through Paul, he came in there and he said, hey, hey, it's either wrong to eat with the Gentiles or it's not. And if it's wrong on one day, it's wrong on the next day. If it's okay this week, it's okay next week too. You don't, it don't change because somebody else comes to town. How many have ever seen people completely change when somebody else was visiting? Now, I don't want any hands to be raised. But how many have ever gone home to visit and seen your spouse turn into somebody else? Just look straight ahead. Don't <laughs> nod or anything. Or they've seen you turn into somebody else. Or you bring the boss over or eat with the boss for lunch or for dinner. And they turn into somebody you didn't recognize. <laughs> People trying to be so prim and proper. They're trying to be. Uh, you see somebody, they completely different person when the preacher's around. Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, glory be to God. And man, on Wednesday morning, they act like the devil. I mean, heathen. Well, friend, how many understand there's somebody more important than men who knows, who sees. You should be concerned with what he thinks, what he knows, right? Not what other people think and know. What he knows, what he thinks. Through fear, people have been robbed. Christians have been robbed sometimes of most of God's plan for their life. People do not step out because of fear. You know, it takes faith. I remember, you know, Phyllis and I twice now in our lifetime, in our marriage, since we've been married, twice, we have left everything and everybody to go where the Lord said go. And it takes faith to do that. Doesn't it? Anybody else ever done that too? Do you know what I'm talking about? It takes faith to do that. Why? Because you're leaving your security. You're leaving what you know. And you're going to what? The unknown. Right? I mean, it would have been a lot easier if I could have seen and known that all of y'all would have been here. In two years. And all the money would have been there. Oh, that would have been great. But all I saw was an empty building. And nobody knew who we were. Not many anyway. But how many understand fear can hold you out? You can get to thinking, well, where's the money going to come from? Where's the money? I can't do that till I see some money. Maybe we get enough money up front, then we'll start, then you're never going to make it with God because you're refusing to walk by faith. If he says go, you got to go. Right? Before you figure it out, before you can see how, when, where, and why, you must obey. Elsewise, you're refusing to walk by faith. Submission to God and submission to people is all by faith too. Go with me please to 1 Peter and you'll see this how this ties in together. Thank you Lord for helping us today. 1 Peter 3. I said people do not obey because of fear. I'm thinking of two couples right now. I mean, and this is not all. I mean, this happened, I don't know how many times. They told me, Brother Keith, the Lord told me to leave home and to go into the ministry, go over here for training and go do this. And I said, well, praise God. Would you just agree with me? You know, that the Lord would bring the money in so I can pay off my bills and I can get to where I can step out and do it. I said, yeah, I'll agree with you. We prayed. And in a matter of two months, three months, they're out of debt. They got the money, and they didn't go. Someone said, why? Can you guess? Why? Fear. What if I leave mama? <laughs> what if I can't find a job? What if I can't find a place to work? What if the kids are not happy? What if this? What if that? What if the other? Fear. Case after case. Preachers. The Lord tells them to do something. Step out. Well, we don't want to get in trouble. We want to use wisdom. <laughs> got to use wisdom. So many times when people talk about wisdom, they're talking about walking by sight. What they mean is we got to see it. We got to see it before we're going to do it. First Peter 3, are you there? Verse 1, 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or lifestyle of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plaiting of hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel. Let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. 
For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Every time you read that scripture, you can almost hear thoughts in ladies' minds. (laughs) And it goes something like this. If you think I'm calling George Lord, you got, hey, I didn't write this. Right? Well, it's got to mean something else. Okay, what does it mean? It means something. Right? Does it mean nothing? We just throw it out? Well, it was from another time, Brother Keith. So then this book is dated, you're saying. So I told you to hold on. He said, like Sarah obeyed. Now, see, that's a word folk don't like. Obey. I mean, many, 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 many Christians have taken that word out of marriage vows. Right? Obey. Oh, no. Not obey. Calling him Lord, whose daughters you are. How many would identify and say, I'm a daughter of Sarah, mother of faith. As long as you do well and what? And are what? Are not afraid with any amazement. Now, why would he bring up amazement? Well, because when people hear that, they're amazed. (laughs) They think, (laughs) I'm going to obey George? Lord George? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, one thing that might help you is the word Lord, you know, little l, in that sense, in some usages, would be equivalent to sir. Sir. Not a lot of folk have just as much trouble with that. You know, they think, that didn't help me, Brother Keith. Uh, (laughs) What did he warn them about? He said, as long as you are what? Not afraid. Did you see that? As long as you are not afraid with any amazement. Moffat says, as long as you yield to no panic, don't yield to panic. Phyllis has told you this herself. We've been married, what, going on 28 years now. And uh, the first several years of our marriage was pretty rough. And one of the things that we had a, an issue over, and I'm not telling you anything she hadn't told in public, so. Early on, the Lord taught me about submission and authority. And anything that you preach about submission applies to the man just like the woman. And there's areas where all of us are to submit. And a whole lot of folk just don't even know what submission is at all. And that's one reason we've got so many problems. And then you've got people that get in the ditch on the other side of the road, and they holler about, you know, woman, submit. You better submit to me. The Lord never told the man to do anything about his wife submitting. Husbands, your wives, submission to you is none of your business. It is not for you to say a word about it. Husbands, listen to me. Never, ever, ever tell your wife, submit to me. Never. No way you can make right out of it. The Bible never said, husbands, make your wives submit. It's not in there. It said, wives. He's not even talking to the husbands. Wives, what? Submit yourselves. But the Lord dealt with me about it, that I was supposed to be the head of my house, love head, and that I was supposed to lead. Well, Phyllis had problems with that. 
<laughs> Those of you in the marriage meeting, you know, she, she went into great detail about it. And we had problems. Because somebody's got to give in. Did you hear me? This is, well, no, no, it's a mutual thing. Marriage is a 50-50 proposition. No, it is not. Ain't no scripture for that. That's just like a church being a uh, congregational rule. Did you hear me? No. There's supposed to be a head. There's supposed to be a daddy. Right? These verses are not politically correct. Do you understand that? People have come up with a better, better idea. And two big issues that were going on, and, and we're, we just, we're very open with you guys. Phyllis had to deal with fears that if she submitted to me, she's going to lose her identity and her freedom. Did you hear me? Do you see this phrase right here? What? Why did it come up? As long as you do well and are what? Not afraid. That's why people don't submit. Fear. That's why people don't submit to God. Well, I don't know. If, what if I just completely sold out to God and just did anything and everything he told me to do? What if I did that? I'd no longer be in control. Right. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd lose myself. Right. That's the plan. Is that, see, people, that's not like the scripture's not even in the Bible. He that loses his or her life, what'll happen? You'll find it. What if you hold on to it? I gotta be in control. I don't trust anybody else. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. You will lose it, Jesus said. It'll slip like sand through your fingers. Well, we had some rough spots. I'd not lie to you about it. Man, we, we had some nights where all night long. And see, the pressure is on me now to give in, to keep peace. Did you hear me? To let her have her way. Because, you know, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody. I don't like that phrase. That ain't true in my house. Ain't true in this church. If mama ain't happy, she needs to get happy. Amen. She needs to get right with God. So does daddy. Right? And the reason I say it is because it is such a deal. Man, I'm telling you. There are all kind of houses. All kind of houses. The woman rules the roost. And if the man tries to buck it, it is hell to pay. It's cold in the bedroom. And it don't end for months. And so people get to the place where they think, it ain't worth this. And so they give in. Same thing in churches. There's all kind of churches where the pastor's not the head. He don't lead. He's always giving in. Why? Because somebody's going to pitch a fit. He's always giving it. Why? Afraid somebody might leave. Afraid somebody might pull their support. Afraid the fear of man brings a snare. It brings a trap. And once you go that way, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so the pastor gets to the point where all the time he's running around trying to make sure this was not offended. Trying to make sure this was not offended. Oh, did I say something wrong? I'm sorry. Well, I won't talk on that like that. We won't teach on that because it might offend some visitors. We won't talk about that. And friend... You just lose your power and you got a form of godliness, but nothing to back it up. I don't want anybody offended because of me doing something dumb. Did you hear what I'm saying? I don't want to run anybody off because of me not having wisdom or not doing the right thing. But the important thing is that we do what he wants that every time I leave this place I'm thinking well Lord I did the best I knew to say what you gave me to say I was not afraid to say it I was not afraid to do it right 
And so there came a time in our life, I'm just being honest and open with you, there came a time in our life where I had to deal with fear that if I didn't give in, we were not going to make it. Did you hear me? And there was tremendous pressure on me. There were some other folk that joined in too. You know, I got to change. But I knew in my heart that if I did, I'd be compromising what the Lord had shown me in the Word. And if I did, it was going to carry over into my ministry. It was going to carry over into my church. It was going to carry I didn't know I was going to have a church at that time. But it was going to carry over into things. And so I had to make up my mind. I refused to fear. I refused to fear. And thanks be unto God, Phyllis overcame her fears. And I overcame my fears. And today we have freedom. I said today we have freedom. Today we have peace. Are you with me now? Oh, friend, it's so important. It's so important. You trust God. There were times serving with Brother Hagin, Sr., that he, he had something on his heart and mind to do, and it was not exactly what I thought. But when you're not in agreement with somebody that's over you, now what's it time to do? Submit. And so then what do you got to do when you submit? You've got to trust God. And you got to trust them. Is that right? That even if they make a mistake, God's going to help them because you're doing what he told you to do. Right? Even if they mess up or blow it. Your husband I'm talking about or whoever or the leader of some situation. You've got to trust that because I'm doing what the Lord told me to do, even if they make a mistake, he's going to take care of me. Right? And you find he will. He will help people. He will show them. He'll correct them. He'll change things. Because you're obeying him and now you're in the flow and you're not being led by fear. Have you ever experienced it? Don't raise your hand. Just look straight ahead. But it came to the point of submitting in an area. And your flesh, man, your flesh will get to the point where it realizes it's not going to get its way. And it acts like a drowning man. It starts clawing and going, no, 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 no. I can't. I'll lose my identity. I'll lose my freedom. I'll lose. And when you do that, what is that? Fear. Fear. And if you're led by that, are you being led by the Holy Spirit? No. You're being led by the Spirit. Of fear, which is the spirit of the enemy. Said out loud, I refuse to fear. Go to Hebrews 13, and I'm, I, this is it, I believe. I believe we're closed with this. Hebrews 13. We've made some progress today. The Lord helped us out. Glory to God. Hebrews 13. Verse 5, he said, let your conversation, your way of life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many believe that? Come on, that's not enough hands. Come on, how many say, I believe he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never, never, never He said, so that we may what? Boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. Listen to the Amplified. He said, we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Why so bold? Because if God is for me, who can be against me? Right? If he's looking out for me, he's bigger than your husband. He's bigger than your wife. He's bigger than your pastor. He's bigger than your boss. He's bigger than your leader. He's bigger than whoever's in office. He's bigger. He's bigger. He's greater. And if I trust in him and I know how much he loves me and I know he's never going to leave me, he's never going to leave me hanging out to dry, then that love pushes out that fear. It casts it out. It throws it out. And I become fear free. 
free from all fears. Would you stand on your feet, please? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.